what's happening, guys. Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings app today. Use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. So UFC 272 is around the corner. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you about the betting lines for Colby versus Jorge. Why this fight is perfect for a main event and more. But first, I want to share some immediate thoughts I had on Saturday after watching Islam take on Bobby Green. Islam versus Bobby Green, here's what happened. Now, think about being in my shoes. Think about being an old shit. How do I get inserted into this wonderful evening? Well, I got to give a recap of the evening. And when a fight is as quick as a fight like that is, what do you do? And your eyes could have easily lied to you. Your eyes probably told you that Islam felt out Bobby. Bobby fought a good fight. Had his hands done, does what Bobby does. Eventually, Islam took a little ground, and Bobby backed up. And eventually, Islam took a little ground, and Bobby backed up. Eventually, Bobby hits the fence. Now, guys, when we talked about this, the only place that Bobby can't be is against the fence. I maintain for you that the boys that are coming out of Khabib's gym and Khabib himself are not the beautiful wrestlers that your eyes tell you. They have to do it methodically, starting with pushing you into the fence. Now, if any of that sounds like an insult, it's not meant to. The reason that's a surprise is the fence is a great place for defensive takedowns. If you're fighting a wrestler and you can put your back on the fence, the wrestler doesn't know how to deal with it. The rules in wrestling, just for example, force both guys to be going in a forward motion. A wrestler needs that push. He needs to change elevation. That's what he uses to get to your body. If you're backing up in wrestling, they call it illegal. So if a guy goes to the fence and settles in, it's a nightmare to deal with. I had never seen this before. I had never seen this technique done ever for the anti-grappler. I've seen boxers move backward. I followed Mayweather's career. I followed Sugar Ray Robinson. I've seen that in boxing, but that's not illegal. That's something you're used to. That happens all the way from your first fight through the Golden Gloves, all through your, if you had Olympic and world aspirations, off to the pros. You can go backwards. There's no stalling. Now in wrestling, there is. The first time I ever saw, it wasn't even in a practice room. I was in a cage fighting Anderson Silva. I get my hands on the bitch. Every time I dealt with him the first time, he was coming forward. Ooh, that's easy. All I got to do is change elevation. He's coming right to me. He backs up. He sits into the fence. I can't get my hands around him. I'm trying to figure out this new position that I have never seen in my life on TV for a world title. And I will just tell you how confused I was. Now, once I started to learn what he was doing, once some guys started to do that, and you break that down a little bit more, that entire position was still predicated for the defensive guy. So if you think I'm putting Islam or Khabib down, no. This is why it's such a surprise. They are putting their opponent in a defensive position. All the rest of us wrestlers and grapplers struggle to take a guy down when he puts his back against the fence. That's where Islam wants you. So if your eyes told you Islam just came out and tackled Bobby after, after a feeling out process, I'm suggesting you saw it wrong. Bobby knew this going into the fight. Bobby knew I cannot let my back hit the fence. But so many guys will go into the fight with the Dagestanis thinking, and I've got to couple it like that because it's an entire team. It's an entire team who is innovating the sport. Five and ten years from now, that position, 
might shock you that I'm identifying and talking about. We might even have a name for that position and some of the techniques and the drags and the trips that these boys from Dagestan are doing in that position, but we don't right now. This is new. When the defense came in, Anderson did it. It had never been done before, guys. I follow all the fights. I'd never seen it in the practice room. Never, never as a, a viewer saw anybody do it. I haven't happened to me. But that was in 2012. Now, that position defensively has advanced over the last decade. What I'm telling you now is the offense that's different. Now, Khabib was, he would entangle your legs. He would come right at the bend of the knee. He would pull you off. He would drop in. Ben Askren made me a video and sent it to me, showing me what Khabib was doing. And as soon as Ben told me, okay, great, I get it, and now I can go do it. Islam's doing the same thing, but not necessarily with the leg entanglements. He's using ways to get you off the fence so he can drop down. Tonight was a double leg, which is why I think you probably watched the fight. You just go, well, he took him down with a double leg. It's not. There's more happening there. It's very hard to get a guy off a fence once he goes on to it. So as much as I'm telling you in very simple terms, you don't have to worry about these guys as wrestling as much as it appears. Don't worry about keeping yourself off the canvas. Worry about keeping your back off the fence. I'm right. I'm right in telling you that. But where are you going to go? What are you going to do? The cage is 26 feet across. He's going to meet you in the middle. You're down to 13 feet. He takes one step forward, which is two feet, and you take one step back, which is another four. You're eight feet off the fence. Now, he can have you within 24 inches, which means you've only got four more feet to go. What do you do? That's one step back. So by the time you meet in the middle, it's two steps back till you're in what I'm going to call the danger zone. It's a very tough thing. It's why Khabib was so successful. It's why Islam is so successful at opponent after opponent, night after night, and round after round, getting you to that position. It is a thing of beauty what they're doing from there. I don't want Islam to get painted with any kind of a brush of being dull to watch. He could be dull to watch if and only if you don't know what you're looking at. I want you to see it for the beauty in the chess that it is. Islam and Khabib aren't going to deny this if they were here right now. They're not going to say, well, Chael's wrong. We do our work right in the center of that octagon. No, they don't. They back your ass up first. And they do it with reckless abandon. They're coming in. They're throwing some of their most dangerous shots because they don't care if they land and they don't care if you counter back. They just want you moving closer to that fence closer to that danger zone. Now, what we saw here, okay, Islam Makhlchev took a lot tonight. He took a lot of heads. He took a lot of names. He took a lot of paper if you want to talk resumes. When you are in cage fighting, it is the ultimate poker hand in that you are all in. Whatever you bring to the cage is on the line. You bring a championship, you bring a beautiful record, you bring popularity, anything that you have and that you have amassed in your career, it's all chips in. You could be undefeated fighting a guy with nine losses, and the guy with nine losses is leaving with everything that you brought. So what is it that Islam left with tonight? Because there is not a question in my mind that guy can win a world championship. Can win a world championship and is going to be the world champion. You're splitting hairs here. But you will usually identify three, four, five guys. Aside from Khabib, who showed his separation from the pack, showed his absolute dominance, showed that nobody could even make it the distance with him, right? Khabib, night after night, has taken on the next best guy on earth. That we, the community, all stood back and said, right, night after night, that's who Khabib had to beat, and Khabib would finish them without losing a round. Aside from Nurmagomedov, where have we seen this level of domination? Because Bobby Green doesn't get made to look bad. 
Bobby Green doesn't get thrown down. Bobby Green doesn't get held down. Bobby Green doesn't get finished. All of those things happen to Bobby Green in less than a round. So we are looking at a domination like we have only experienced one time in the sport, which was by Khabib. Islam versus fill-in-the-blank. He's down to two people, guys. It's either Gaethje or it's Oliveira. Do you believe either of those guys can stop the takedown? If you do, do you believe that they can get up off the bottom? They're very good fighters. But the X's and O's are complicated. Justin Gaethje, being as good of a grappler as he is, doesn't really know how to fight off his back. And I can relate to that, too. I mean, it's just I usually wasn't in that position. When you find yourself there, that's not going to be the biggest threat for a guy that gets on top. It's going to be very problematic. I did my best work staying off and staying up on my feet. And I'm only bringing myself into this because I'm not putting Justin down. I understand what Justin's doing. And I understand there's three places you can fight in. And in that order, you've got your favorite, but you've also got your least favorite. So let's just say Islam does get on top, which is probably going to be more difficult with Gaethje, but easier to keep him there. Now let's think about if it's with Oliveira, it's going to be easier to get on top but with Oliveira's ground skills. You're going to come to the conclusion that it's harder to hold him there. Guys, Oliveira's going to let him. All the greats, even the world champions, make mistakes. And one that Oliveira will make if they fight is he will concede that position. He's not going to work to get up off the bottom. He's not going to scramble the same. He doesn't see that he needs to. It's the one problem having a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and I do. I'm a promoter of jiu-jitsu. I love and understand the sport, but I also understand the history of it. Guys do not beat good guys from their back. I know you don't want that to be true. I know you want to offer an example. I know you want to say, but Chael, you lost your fight from your back with Anderson Silva. It's all true, but that was in 2009. Hoist Gracie himself got out of the sport when they put in a round system. Jiu-jitsu by design is not meant to finish fights in five-minute increments. It's just not. So if Islam can get on top of Oliveira, who is currently the favorite to beat Gaethje, and Oliveira is going to play along by staying there, we don't even have to get into the advancements. We don't even have to get into Islam. Can he pass? Can he mount? Can he get side control? Now, if you can stop me right there, say, Chael, you're completely wrong. Oliver is not going to go down easy, and Oliver knows this and is going to scramble. I get it. There's a different conversation. That's why we go and have the fights. I'm just throwing a couple of what-ifs at you. Because there is not a very likely scenario where anybody, no matter their level of power or their level of rhetorical skill, is going to be able to explain how Islam Makhlchev is not now the number one contender. I mean, you'd have to be one hell of a tap dancer. I will stand back and I will study whatever it is you do. I have yet to meet a person who can speak well enough to try and explain how Islam Makhlchev is not now next. So what do you do? You start to break down Islam versus Justin and you start to break down Islam versus Oliveira. And those three guys are studs. They might all be able to beat each other and we get around Robin. My only statement to you is Islam can beat anybody. The other side of that, there's guys that can beat him too. Maybe. Maybe. Nobody has whipped Bobby Green's ass. That's never happened. Nobody has thrown Bobby down and kept him there. 
Nobody transitioned to a mount with Bobby Green fighting and moving and doing all sorts of things and perfect shit, right? If this was round four, this was round five, we're not having this talk. First off, it'd been a hell of a contest had we gotten that deep, and we're going to give Bobby a pass because he was never in shape for rounds four and five anyway. That's what stepping in on short notice is. Guys, we're talking about less than five minutes. We don't need to pad this for Bobby Green. His stock goes up. He just got a main event. He just did something that nobody else was willing to do. He just came off the bench, changed his vacation, and got in there to take an opportunity. We love guys like that. There's no knock here on Bobby Green. It's not that Bobby's not as good as we thought he was. It's that Islam's better than we knew he was. That's what you saw tonight. It would be very unbelievable to me that any sports writer or any decision maker could come to any conclusion other than Islam Makhlchev is now the number one contender. So now that Islam Makhlchev is on the top of all of our minds, we all want to know what he's going to do next. And on Monday night, we thought we had the answer. That's next, but first, a quick word about today's presenting sponsor. When Covington and Masvidal step into the octagon this Saturday night at UFC 272, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for all new customers. Bet just $1 on the main event and get $100 in free bets no matter what. Could be a first round knockout, majority draw, or double knockout resulting in a no contest no matter what the outcome, you still get paid. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still feel the thrill of UFC 272 with DraftKings free-to-play pools. Everyone can enter free pools with $10,000 in prizes. Answer a handful of questions like how long the fight will last and who will walk out the winner and follow along to track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Throw down just $1 on the UFC 272 main event and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. That's code CHAIL this Saturday night at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and over, minimum age and location required vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at phone number 467-369. Now this one's been a little bit hard for me to follow because I've heard it in a couple different ways. Islam gets the big win over Bobby Green. 24 hours goes by. All of a sudden, RDA is alone in a co-main event spot. 
I thought that Islam saw that and said, hey, RDA, if we, if, if we can make this 170, I'll take the spot and we can finish this on Saturday. That's what I thought. Followed by Islam calling his bluff and saying, then 170 it is, see you Saturday. Followed by Islam saying absolutely nothing because he just got called. That's how I thought it happened. I'm being told on good authority that I have it wrong. That Islam did not go first, that RDA went first and told Islam, why don't you come up here, to which Islam accepted, to which RDA went and found a new opponent. Quite frankly, I'm not going to do the research. The whole thing was done over social media. It would be as simple as saying who said what, cross-reference that with a timestamp, and I'm not going to do that level of research. Even though I could have that done in less than 30 seconds, I'm just not going to do it because I don't really need to know at this point. That fight is not going to happen. It would be a big deal to me if Islam came and puffed up and RDA put all his chips in and Islam didn't sit down at the table. That would be a big deal. But it would be just as big of a deal to me if Islam, who we believe to be the number one contender, was willing to risk it all to take care of some personal, uh, personal beef that he's yet to tell us the audience. I would have been in. I would have been in, I would have loved it, but I would have been very light on the idea from Jump Street, which was yesterday when I first brought this to you guys, and I said, and I quote, I don't think this is going to happen. Would have been cool, would have liked it to, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know that Jeff Mullen's going to allow within his own state, that being Nevada, a turnaround of seven days regardless of the lack of damage that Islam took. I don't think that got tested. I do not think it made it to Director Mullen's office. But if I had to bet ahead of time, that's at least going to raise an eyebrow. Fine. That's fine. At the same time that we're discussing that, and again, the timeline matters, and I'm going back to yesterday. We were told that Khabib received a phone call from Dana White, and that Dana told Khabib, Islam Makhlchev will be the number one contender. This is the information we have. This is what we operated under which is important that you know that because if Islam would have stepped in against RDA for whatever reason on next to no notice and put all that on the line, it'd have been pretty cool, right? It would have been pretty cool. But when Dana was talking with John Morgan, when it came to Islam, Dana did not say he's the number one contender. Dana said, I really like to see Islam take on Benny. There's a reason I made that fight in the first place. Benny's won seven in a row. Benny breaks his ankle in training. That's the fight game. What are you going to do? That seems pretty fair to me. But that also doesn't sound to me like he's the number one contender. Right? If I just compare that something to life, if you get done on one knee and you ask a girl to marry you and she responds, well, you're in the conversation of people I'm going to marry. Just so you understand, you are not now engaged. It doesn't sound like you're broken up. But you're not now engaged. You don't get to pop up and, and go break open the Chablis. Trust me, you try to tell that story to your friends, they're going to give it a few thumbs down on your social media. So where are we at with Islam? It would be very unique that Dana would make that decision that quickly. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it would be unique. Be very interesting that Dana mentioned that to Khabib, but did not call the media and did not call Islam directly. Wouldn't make it wrong. Just wouldn't it be normally in line with how he did it. Now, the one time we hear from Dana, he was never asked point blank, did this phone call happen? Did you say that? He wasn't asked point blank. But he did make a comment, I'd really like to see Islam and Benny. Well, I would too. I really would like to see Islam and Benny. But anytime you make a fight, regardless of how much the audience is going to like it, no matter the willingness of the participants involved, it has a byproduct 
that in this case has to do with the championship and who possibly would be next. If Islam isn't next, who would be? There's only one other name out there, which happens to be Conor McGregor. But before you think that Conor's going to swoop in and steal that fight, it largely does. We need to see that fight. And Dana touched on this. He said, whoever is going to be the champion at the time that I'm finding their next opponent will, of course, have a say. That's interesting because both guys already have said. Justin Gaethje told Islam, let me fight for the belt next, but if I win, I promise I'll fight you. Oliveira's made it very clear he'd like to dance with McGregor, but McGregor's coach, Kavanaugh, who never bluffs anybody, I don't know if anybody in the sport can answer a question more directly and straight than Coach John Kavanaugh, he said, I think Connor's going to go 170 next. So we don't have a whole lot, is all I'm saying. My, my one and only point to you as I, as I took those tentacles in 10 other directions was to show you that there's a lot of things on the table right now. I don't know what's next for Islam. I do like what Dana's saying. I do want to see Islam versus Benny. I, of course, could live with the idea of Benny healing himself, Islam having the title fight, and then they fight after that. Possibly it'd be for the championship for Benny. Walk right into that. Possibly it, it would be a fight against Islam coming off of a loss. I am with that. I do want to see that. But I have to wonder if not Islam. See, it's really great to have a number one contender. But it's very out of line. We've only seen it one time before. It's very out of line to name a number one contender prior to that division's championship being sorted out. I could give you off the top of my head the one and only time that it ever has happened that I can remember, which was when Engano knocked out Rosenstruck and was named number one contender, and you still had DC and Stipe two months out from doing business. So when I tell you that it's very unusual, you then have Dana speaking to Morgan, saying a lot of things, but not saying number one contender. I just don't think we've got complete resolution. I just don't. I thought it was very candid when Dana said, look, whoever the guy is that's got the belt will have a say in this. That seems fair. It seems like everything's right, but it also seems like things aren't sorted. So put a pin in it for now. Things move very quickly. This is the sport of MMA. Always be ready for an opportunity. And stand by. I will get you the answer to this. So the rest of the show will turn our attention to the guys featured in the main event of UFC 272, Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. And coming up next, I'll tell you something Colby said that caught my attention and also the attention of Israel Adesanya. That all in a moment, but first, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors. Listen up. Uncle Chael is going to share with you one of his newest secrets to boosting productivity. No, I'm not going to take you through the seven habits of highly successful people. It's one secret. A magical elixir I have come to love called Magic Mind, which happens to be today's sponsor. Magic Mind comes as a tiny little shot packed with ingredients that will improve focus, increase daily productivity, and even bring down your stress levels. That's exactly what it's done for me. It has matcha, lion's mane, turmeric, ashwagandha, vitamin C, vitamin E, and more. I take it alongside my morning coffee, and it has consistently given me a steady state of clarity and focus. I got a lot going on daily. Got to get the kids to school, TV obligations, create interesting daily content for you guys, which I love, but I also coach wrestling, and I take my son to gymnastics. 
And that just covers half of my day. I needed something that would help me to stay present and focused while getting it all done. Athletes have Gatorade, now creators have Craterade. One thing I didn't expect was it curbed my appetite and I lost a little bit of weight. This little green shot looks like it might not taste so good, but it is a very pleasant taste. I told my son I am taking Hulk juice. You can take it alone or throw it in a smoothie. If you're looking to drink less coffee or quit coffee completely, Magic Mind is a great alternative to coffee. It will lift the metal fog without the jitters. Try it for yourself and tell them Uncle Chael sent you. Go to magicmind.co slash Chael. Use the discount code CHAIL for 20% off. That's magicmind.co slash CHAIL. And use the discount code CHAIL to get 20% off your first order. You're welcome. Colby Covington. Colby and Masvidal are red hot. You wonder why guys make money and don't have to go out and complain to the media? You wonder why guys can honor a contract because they understand how this, the business works. If you're going to do a fight anyway, make sure people are watching. Real simple. Real elementary. But we haven't seen media like this in a period of time. I mean, this is the heyday. This is the golden age of fighting. And it's only been four or five months that we've been burned, but it's been two world title fights in two pay-per-views, including what should have been the biggest heavyweight fight of all time. And these guys all stabbed us in the back. Well, Colby and George are making up for it. These guys are hot. And if you ever want to wonder if a grudge is real or if a grudge is being manufactured, my God. De Niro. Stallone. Ed Norton. Cannot act this well. Denzel himself, they cannot act this well. So Colby's, I mean, he's hot. He's Colby's doing an interview the other day with this badass necklace on and no shirt, which is just a great look. I think maybe Connor started that somewhere, but when you pop onto Sports Center with Stephen A in the middle and you didn't even think to put your shirt on, the whole rest of the world would go, hey, mom. I'm going on Stephen A's show tonight. Come over and help me pick out an outfit. Mom's going to come. She's going to iron it. You're going to put it on. You're going to check it. Colby showed up with no shirt. There's just something about that that's cool. I was never cool enough guy to pull that one off, but I wish I would have. I couldn't imagine taking my shirt off and sitting here and talking to you guys right now without addressing the fact that my shirt it was just a cool look. Then you got Masvidal comes on. Masvidal might just be the king of fashion. The guy's out there selling tequila or whiskey or something. He could sell every kind of shirt that he wears. He just looks cool, and then they're they're pissed. They're just red hot going at each other. Even Stephen A is going, my God, they got heat over here that's going to melt the airwaves. Somewhere through the process of the press week, Colby makes a statement. Colby Covington comes out and made a statement in the direction of Israel Adesanya. Now, I love this for multiple reasons. Before I get there, let me just tell you what Colby said, because it was a very honest comment, which was, I'm going to go out and destroy George, and the whole world's going to watch. My name is going to be hot, and if I find out after that that I'm not in line to get back in there with Usman just because they're looking for parity, I'm leaving the division. My goal hasn't changed, which is to be world champion. If I can get an opportunity up here that I can't get here, I'm gone. All right, stop right there. I love that. Because I do think that's the spot Colby's in. I think Gilbert Burns is in that same spot, whether he knows it or not. I think Masvidal's in that same spot, whether he knows it or not. 
that they're not going to be able to return to a championship match as long as Kamara's holding that strap. And we have seen no signs from Usman that that is likely to be gone. As a matter of fact, I think Usman's hardest work is in the rearview mirror. I think the guys that I just named are the hardest fights out there. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. But in all fairness, Usman's ranked number one in the world pound for pound. He should be. Can we agree on that? Okay. So I'm very happy to the idea that Colby's talking about leaving the division because he's only got two ways to go. Now, I don't think Colby's big enough to be a middleweight, but if he's willing to commit to it, that can change very quickly. If I was to guess for you guys, Colby's going to leave weights. Is he more likely to go to 55 or is he more likely to go to 85? I probably would have said 55, which would be too small. 185 today, a little too big. Colby is perfect for 170 pounds. But if you want big rewards, you got to take big risks. And it's the first time ever he spoke about it. I loved it. I loved it. There is no greater system created in unarmed combat to get yourself a fresh coat of paint when you just need that. I need I hit the redo button than changing weight classes. You're about to see it with Dan Hooker. Number five guy at 155 pounds is about to go to 45. Everything scratch. He's going to get looked at brand new. Frank Yedder did this, Edgar did this down to 35. Jose Aldo. These are legends. These are world champions. They did it. They went down. And I only bring that to you just to prove the point that that would be interesting. And if you want a piece of Adesanya, all you got to do is get his attention. Now, everybody that's ever got Izzy's attention did it in a negative way. They did it by being a jerk. Okay, fine. You put Izzy into a corner. He will come out fighting just like any other animal. Jared Cannonier makes that list. He did it by being polite. You guys know the story on Izzy and Cannonier? You guys know what I'm talking about when I say that? They were both at a show. They weren't fighting. Whoever set the seats, right? Dana's team that set the seats put these two side by side. So Izzy's ready for, oh, this guy's going to start it on me and ruin my night like everyone else does. He turns to him and says, hey, I'm Jared. Oh, Izzy says, well, hey, I'm Israel Adesanya. And they start visiting. Four hours later, when the show's done, they part ways with a handshake and, hey, I hope I see you again someday. Izzy goes and tells the media, if I ever have an opportunity to give to a guy, I'm giving it to him. So it's not just upsetting a guy. I'm just trying to prove the point. Great story, isn't it? Have you guys heard that story before? It's a great story. I see Ryan in the corner here. He's smiling. If you don't know that story, it is kind of a cool one. But my point is the same, which is you got to get out of Sonya's blessing. Nobody in this sport controls their own career and who's next better or more often than is the Adesanya. You got to get his attention. You got to do it in a different way. All the middleweights have made a shot. The middleweights are starting to recycle through. All of a sudden, you get a welterweight that Izzy didn't see coming. He's going to listen. Now, what do you do with that? We're going to have to wait and see. I'm just sharing for you, it is interesting as we go into this contest, both Colby and Uzma. See, these are smart guys. Colby and Masvidal, these are smart guys, though. I started this whole thing by telling you, two guys that you never see going back and forth and trying to negotiate with the organization through the media. Two guys that are perfectly happy to honor the deals that they have, but they understand the business, which is why they're out there and so many people are going to tune in. But at the same time, they're following another step that most guys miss all the time which is to set up what's tomorrow. I've already got this fight. That's already signed. The venue's already there. The trucks are on the way. The satellites are pulling in. 
I need a job to have the next day. Masvidal went after Nate Diaz. Colby is now going after Adesanya. I don't know where those fights are going to go, but that isn't the point. It's the dialogue and the conversation. It's getting ahead of things. It's marketing 101. You fix a narrative before your opponents do it for you. And you're seeing two great workers, both coming off losses, neither with a championship, that are going to break pay-per-view records for 2022. How'd they do it? You think you got to turn on your roommate? You, gotta th you think you got to fight your old teammate? You think you got to go on Sports Center with a cool necklace and no shirt on? No, guys, don't miss this. Don't miss any step that these two make. One thing they have in common is they both lost their last fight. Show me another guy who lost a fight and returns to pay-per-view. Two of them did it in this case. They're a step ahead. There's a game. Study it. Learn it. Manipulate it. And when all's said and done, as it pertains to Covington and Masvidal, appreciate it. Now, the main event Saturday night will undoubtedly be one of the biggest fights of 2022 for three reasons. Let me tell you about them. I have seen guys get into the fight game. I've seen them go on down to the commission's office and fill out their paperwork and get their promoter's license. Then they go try to find a few bucks and put on their first event. I support those guys, but I see them all the time and they all are an expert. They're all an expert in a business that they've never been in that there's no school in the world you can take a class in. There's no library on earth you can check out a book in. This is, you've, you've got to learn it. you got to get involved. you got to know you're paying for an education. you got to know you're going to burn through some money to make some mistakes, to learn what you need to do. But all of them have one other thing in common, which is they've come to the conclusion that they're experts because they've listened to every Dana White interview that Dana's ever given. I've had people that say this to me, and it embarrasses me. I get uncomfortable. I get that uncomfortable feeling inside. And I look at them, and I do my best just to get away from the conversation and get off the topic for one simple reason. The master's never given away the king the keys to the kingdom. Every single interview Dana does, he knows somebody's watching him and he's not looking to smart them up. But if you do truly understand the business and you juxtapose that with every single Dana White interview, you do know the times that the master slipped up. For whatever reason, whether it was an accident, whether he wasn't prepared, you will, boom, that's one of them. I had this experience. First ever UFC Fighter Summit. And Dana brings everybody in. And I'm just look, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know why we're there. I'm looking at the expense of 556 athletes plus interpreters coming from around the world. Real easy flight for me. $99 from, from Portland to Las Vegas. But there was guys that came in from Sao Paulo. There was guys that came in from Moscow. There was guys that came in from Germany. There was guys that came in from Japan. All over the world. 556 guys. Do you have any idea... What the travel fees on that are, and everybody got their own room, a beautiful room at the Red Rock, I might add, and everybody got their food paid for, and we all got a gift bag, and I'm just sitting back and doing the math, I'm going, this is costing about two and a half million dollars. Something here is important to Dana that he's going to relay to us. I don't know what it's going to be, but I remember thinking that, and I'm, I go to the fighters meeting, and I'm in the very front row, and I got my notepad out, and I got my pen. And I'm ready to go. Everybody else that came in there was still hungover from the night before. I don't know what's about to happen. But I know the expense and the effort and something here he's about to hand us 
He wants us all together so he can say it one time. So we had all sorts of guest speakers. You've got lessons in taxes. You've got lessons on uh, performance-enhancing drugs. You've got uh, lessons in legality and management. Dana himself walks into the room one time. This is the moment I'm waiting for. He paid for this to bring us here to tell us something. I heard every word that came out of his mouth. I went and applied every word that came out of his mouth. My whole career was different. There are times that he's going to either give you information because he's decided that you need it, or he's going to let his guard down and make a mistake and a camera was on. But he just did it today. One of my favorite fights that Dana ever promoted. So it's not one of the biggest fights. That's not the word that I used. I said one of my favorite was Matt Hughes versus Ricardo Almeida because that match made no sense. At that time, Ricardo Almeida, one of the great grapplers ever, fantastic MMA fighter. Matt Hughes, pound for pound, greatest of all time. Champion? I don't think it was a title match, so maybe he didn't have the belt right then. Match didn't make any sense. And Dana got asked about it. One time. And he told right down the barrel of that camera the exact truth, and nobody questioned him again. So why are you making this fight? Dana said, sometimes there's two guys that just want to fight. That was it. And I remember that to this day because there was an absolute truth on it. And a lot of people are looking around, why, why are we seeing this fight? This isn't a number one contender's fight. Matt Hughes wants to get his world title back. Beating Almeida doesn't get him closer. Almeida's not going to be fighting for a title next, but if he beats Matt Hughes, he's got to be considered for it. It's just one of those things where, hey, put the rankings aside. Put all this aside. There's an issue and a problem here, and these two guys want to fight the end. Now, Dana did it again. He got asked by John Morgan why this fight is going to be such a big deal. Talking about Covington and Masvidal. Dana gave three Three reasons. Hatred, popularity, storyline. I'm going to change hatred to emotion. I'm going to keep popularity. I'm going to include storyline. But I want to tell you, if you put that into the master's mind, and it's got to compute out the other side, these are the three things that the promoter just told you he needs. Emotion. Popularity and storyline equal promotion. That's what that equals. You have to be able to evoke an emotion. The only thing that Masvidal and Covington have in common is they both lost their last fight. When is the last time anybody has returned to main event coming off of a loss? When is the last time two guys in a main event of a pay-per-view were both coming off of multiple losses? Two for Masvidal, one for Covington. But you get it. You add those together. It's 0-3. We get it. There's your answer. They were able to invoke an emotion. In their particular case, that happens to be hatred. Terrible word. If my mother is watching this, she told me at a very young age, don't ever say hate. Don't ever say hate. It's too strong. But hate is a word, and sometimes it is appropriate. And right now, it's hatred. You then look at popularity. Now, what Dana's talking about, of course, is your ability to draw. Who knows who you are? We're going to have 11 fights this Saturday. The arena is sold out. The arena did not sell out for 10 of those fights. If you wanted to jockey and mess with this card in any which direction, if you put anybody on this card at the top of the bill and you remove the current main event, this venue does not sell out. So we understand how important popularity is. We understand what name recognition is. You then talk about storyline. The storyline in this case, two friends, no longer friends, two training partners, no longer training partners, two roommates no longer even want to see or visit with each other. 
We get that. That happened to all of us, didn't it? That happened to you. You had a friend somewhere along the way, could have been all the way back in third grade, could have been freshman, sophomore in the high school. Something happened and they're not your friend anymore. You get that story. Relatability. You get that. And the mere fact that this is going to be the biggest fight of 2022, even if it's just for the first quarter, it will be the biggest current fight. But when you have the heavyweights that had the greatest storyline in the history of the heavyweight division, extremely beautiful records, not coming off losses, two belts enter that ring, one belt lead. When you have a story like that in this fight, that the only thing they have in common is 0 and 3. You start to see where those resumes become less important, where the rankings that you're all fighting over and bickering every day and using as a way to get out in hard work. The rankings have a byproduct like everything else. No good deed goes unpunished. We, we give you guys rankings to be more in line with other sports. You then use that ranking as a way to not go out there and do your job that you're called upon for three times a year. And somehow, society and the public within this space has let you do it. I was coming up in this sport in the 90s. It did not make a damn bit of difference. We didn't even do weight classes back then. You said you're a tough guy. You said you're a tough guy. There's the ring. Get in there and agree upon time. Deal? Everybody said deal. Nobody talked about money. Nobody talked about sponsors. Nobody talked about rankings. We didn't even talk about the fact that they were separated by 50 pounds. So to watch you have all of those things, then we're trying to get as many matches as we can. We had a guy named Jeremy Horn who in one year was something crazy. I might be wrong on this, but in one year had like 48 fights. There was a month where he had seven fights. I realized commissions. I realized where maybe that isn't something to look at now, but that's what we used to do back then. We used to see, we would be competing with each other to see who could get more competitions. Jeremy Horn did a fight one night on a Friday. Won the fight, gets in a car. He's the passenger. Someone's driving as he's sleeping. They get him two states over. He fights again Saturday night. But this was a mindset back then. We all looked at Jeremy. It didn't matter that just that he won those fights. We were all just very impressed that he could get on the docket, that he logistically could figure out how to do it, that he cared about his sport and his craft enough to take the risk, take the challenges, and double book himself. A promoter could not do that now. And you're going to think, oh, well, the commission wouldn't let him. You'll be partly right. A promoter couldn't do it now because the son bitch isn't going to show up the next day. He's going to have a fight on Friday. He's not going to show up the next day. You get guys that from the time of me, I'm sorting myself here, Jeremy Horn and I were the same time. You get guys like us, you're going to separate two fights by two days. We're in heaven. We used to do tournaments, two and three guys in one night. So now you have our mentality that you're going to separate it a day and a night's sleep. Oh my God, of course I'll sign up for both of those. Or in Jeremy's situation where one month he fought seven guys over 30 days. Of course you're going to agree to that. We were used to fighting two and three guys in the same night, so it's just a different mentality. As I tell that story, I don't necessarily expect you to, to agree with Jeremy and I that we did it right. I think you're a lot better spot that you're in now. I think the commissions and the running to regulation has all been done for very good reason. I, I don't begrudge that. I just share with you it's a very different mentality. Very different. When you have these storylines within fights, that's what promotion is. I will beg you until I'm blue in the face. I will hit you over the head with the same thing every time. If you were an athlete that feels you've been underpromoted, your next thing is to tell me what that means. And if you say I didn't have enough photo shoots, if you say I wasn't given enough interviews, if you say I, I wasn't marquee and my name and face weren't on enough posters, I'm going to then tell you you don't know what promotion is. Promotion is one thing. Storytelling. 
The great promoters are great storytellers. The great storytellers can look within any scenario and find how we got here. And then they can articulate that to the audience. The big fights aren't always the best guys. It doesn't always have the shiniest trinket up. It's the story that gets over that resonates. It's very important that you hear what Dan is saying when he says it to you. He just handed John Morgan the keys to the kingdom. What is the greatest promoter in the world looking for? An emotion. What's he looking for? Popularity. So that when he tells the story, people know who in the hell he's telling it about. Those are the three keys. If you're in the gym today, you're working on your little fight career, and you're working on turning your thumb over as you cross block, you're working on the wrong stuff. You should be able to learn a punch on day one. You should be able to learn a combination by the end of month one. But that's the sport, and that's important. And you put two to three, some guys four hours a day into that sport. How much time did you put into the business? The world's most successful promoter just told us the keys to selling out T-Mobile Arena, which he successfully did. Nowhere on here does it say get a black belt. Nowhere on here does it say bench press 225 pounds 20 times. Nowhere on here does it say learn your Muay Thai. The audience will decide. We will pick who's at the top of the bill. We will decide what we want to say. Everybody else's job is to listen, but for the athletes that want to be put in a very good position, it's important that you at least know the ingredients needed within the recipe. This line could change a little bit, but as of right now, and I was just on ESPN, Covington is now $3, which at three to one, meaning if you bet against him, if you bet on George Mosvall for every $100 you get, you could win $300. Now, stay right there, because you're going to take somebody's opinion, generally. You're going to listen to some experts in the room. The pound-for-pound pound greatest fighter in the world who is the common opponent between these two most recently, Kamara Usman, just gave his thoughts. Now, this is going to mean something to you. And here's what Usman said. He didn't go as far as to make an actual prediction. He said, as it pertains to Masvidal, Masvidal is going to have a much harder time as a strike-heavy fight plan landing combinations on a guy who he used to train with, meaning Covington. He then said, Covington is going to find that George Masvidal nowadays and at this weight class of 170 pounds is much more difficult to take down than he used to be in practice. I only bring that to you because I see it the same way. I'm right in line with Kamar Usman. These guys don't know each other. They just think they do. Those training sessions three years ago, common coach and Mike, coach and Mike Brown is still with Masvidal. What does that mean? Well, you damn right it means something. Mike Brown used to come up with the game plans of Colby Covington. Mike Brown is the one that showed Kobe Covington the offense that he used to do. He then left. Mike Brown is going to be able to not only form Jorge Masvidal for his own offenses, he's going to be able to prepare him for the offensive attacks of Colby Covington. Right? It's a tough spot. We're splitting hairs here. We're not saying something super dynamic that is going to change the way that you want to talk and look about this fight, but Colby Covington is going the other direction. DraftKings, three days ago, Colby Covington was a two and a half to one favorite. He's now three. 
It's spreading. The money's coming in and people are very sure on Colby. Now, I'm bringing this to you and I'm bringing it to you in conjunction with what Kamara Usman just laid out because Kamara's right. These guys, they don't know each other. When you strike in the gym at an absolute maximum, you're going 80%. If you ever spar with a guy that goes more than 80% when it comes to with actual damaging techniques, which is the punches and the kicks and the elbows and the knees, you don't ever spar with him again. You cannot trust that guy. These two trusted each other. And for them to have this kind of trust meant they followed the code, which was no more than 80%. I fully see it the way Kamara sees it. Yes, Colby is likely to know a lot of those nuances and a lot of those mannerisms. He's likely to know what, what comes behind a jab, but also what comes behind a double jab. That's true. But neither Colby or Kamara, any of us, or anybody that witnessed these sparring sessions are going to know what would have happened if that was at 100%. Now, the grappling, which Colby favors, is at 100% at all times. She can't hurt the guy. You're not breaking a code. You're just trying to change the position. You're pushing and you're pulling. That's fine. But it always into them not knowing each other, which also at DraftKings allows you to do what, guys? Make a prop bet. Yeah, make a prop bet. So let's just make this real easy. Who do you think's going to win the fight? Great. Great. We don't know. It's why they're going to go fight, but you've answered that question. Let's look a little bit deeper what DraftKings allows us to do. Do you think either one of these guys can stop the other guy? Because this is where you can get real action. You can throw your hands up say, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I just know we're going to have a long, drawn-out war. And you're right. I see it with you. To stop George Masvidal, which very few men have been able to do. However, if you're a little bit of a risk-taker, the history of combat sports says once a guy gets knocked out, he's now much easier to be knocked out. And you are going to look at the fact that Masvidal got folded up by Kamara Usman. What are you going to do with that, right? It's your money. What are you going to do with that? I think in a best-case scenario for Colby Covington, I don't think Colby is planning to finish George Masvidal. I don't think Colby goes into a fight ever thinking about a finish. I think he will take a finish if it's there, but he looks at it the same way all wrestlers do, which is for a long, drawn-out evening. In the world of wrestling, which Colby grew up in, I will tell you, we don't care about a long night. We don't care if every match goes the distance, as long as we got more points than the other guy when time runs out. It's one of the reasons that these wrestlers are very dominant finding positions, but then they get labeled boring. Some wrestlers get labeled boring because they'll get in these positions, they'll be grinding, they're, they're ticking the clock, they're getting closer to the finish line, which was their goal in the first place. They don't find the ending, but they were never looking for it. I bring that to you because I do think Colby is unlikely to finish Masvidal. I don't think Masvidal can finish Colby. I think Colby's got one of the best chins in the game. John Anik went as far, and John Anik knows gaming. Nobody can speak the language, right? You got Doug, and you got Anik. Anik will always talk about the prop bets, and he'll always take the prop bets more than he will head-to-head -head action. He'll encourage you to do the same, and I think along that vein, you should give a real consideration to looking at the bet. Is it going to go all five? Is it going to go less than all five? That's a meaningful one to me, because I feel as though we've got a long evening here. I've gone as far as to tell you that I see this as a career-ending fight for Masvidal if Covington wins. Now, the reason I say that is because if Colby does what Colby does, he is going to maul the current BMF champion and the second biggest draw in the industry for 25 minutes. It's hard to come back from. You go out there, you get caught one time. That's what happened to, to Masvidal in his last fight. He's out there, he's mixing it up. The world champion, he takes a shot that not, none of us could have taken. We give him a full pass. The same thing that Askren happened, right? Karma's a real thing. Everybody wants to tease Askren for taking a knee to the face in five seconds. You couldn't have taken that knee. Nobody could. 
The problem is when it's long and drawn out. Now we don't have a question. Now we don't get to say, I was caught. If you don't have a submission, we don't say, ah, he caught me. You get knocked out, ah, lucky punch. You don't get to have that. It's very damaging. And it's also the way that I think that it's going to go. This is going to be a very hard fight. I don't know that it's going to be competitive. I don't. Look, if Colby can get a takedown in the first round, he can get him in all the other rounds too. And you're going to have a ground and pounded affair. But if Colby can't get a takedown in that first round, there's no assurances that it's coming in two through five. Being stuck on your feet with Masvidal. Masvidal's a technician, and this is one thing that people always miss. I really do encourage you. That I just got done looking at lines at DraftKings. There's some money to be made. Here's what you need to know about Masvidal. You all think of him as a street fighter, don't you? Don't you? A brawler. Sure you do. You think of him as a brawling street fighter because that's what he looks like. Because that's the neighborhoods who he came from. He is not. As a pro, he is about as proficient technically as any fighter that's ever done it. Particularly in the stand-up. Masvidal is an artist. What direction his toe is facing. What direction his heel is going. Where his elbows are. The placement of his head. He is a technician when he's in the ring. He does not succumb to pressure. He does not go for the bloodthirsty crowd. He is calm, he's methodical, he's dynamic. Masvidal is a thinker. That's the one thing that people never understand about because he looks so rough. He's a very intelligent fighter. He's a very intelligent person. You go to Colby Covington. Colby, who also looks like a technician, goes the other way, which is, that's why he calls himself chaos. All hell breaks loose. When Colby is in the ring, it is one speed, he's got one switch, it's on, he's coming at you, all the intangibles come into play. All the heart, the grit, the conditioning, the experience, they all come into play, but it's chaos. It is not by the book. It is not a one, followed by a two, dip to the body, come outside, finish with a leg kick. It's not. It's a mess. Very hard to plan for. Because I see a lot of people betting on Masvidal for the fact. One, it's, it's a good bet. You turn 100 into 300 at DK right now. Moreover, the coaches, they know they've got an insight into Colby's mind. That's true. That is accurate. It's like one of my coaches told me, I may show you everything you know, but I'll never show you everything I know. It's true. That does favor Masvidal. Staying at the gym, having those teammates, having those workout partners, having a coach sit and study your opponent, it's helpful. How much? Hmm. Right? Again, we're splitting hairs. But you got the BMF champion taking on the interim champion. I mean, you have two champions. This is a super fight to the highest of levels, and this whole thing is being fought over inches, millimeters. It's what this whole entire contest is about. So you guys think about it. I don't, I don't want to part you with your hard-earned money, but I do want you to see that the first thing you want to ask before you go over to DraftKings is who's going to win the fight. But the second thing you want to ask is how and when. You don't even have to pick a winner if you are certain it's not going to go the distance. You don't have to do either if you're certain it is going to go the distance. Get to DraftKings, have some fun, tell them I sent you. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And do me a favor. Tell all your friends about the show so they can subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and tell them to come back here on Friday for my official 
UFC 272 predictions. I'll be right here until then. I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>